teach us a whole lot of what it means uh, to answer this question, can God trust me? We said last week that trust changes everything. When we learn to trust God, our experiences in the Christian life change. Our views in life through the eyes of what the Word of God says changes. The habits that we have in our life change. You see, change is that, I mean, uh, uh, trust is that key that turns everything in our life. It opens everything up. It opens up our experiences to new experiences and our views to better views and our habits to habits that please God in our life. Trust just changes everything. It's the key to victory in our life because trust will always lead to more obedience in your life. Trust will always lead to more dependence upon God in your life. And trust will always lead to more faith in your life. Trust is that key that really gets the engine going for you and for me in the Christian life. So that's why it is so important. Now I said that trust that we're going to be studying, trusting in God, we're going to really be focusing not just trusting in general and in all things, though we ought to, but really trusting God in this area of giving. This area of giving, because I believe that it's one of the areas that we, as, as people, as Christians, usually struggle in trusting. It's really easy to trust God sometimes and, uh, in, in other areas in our life that aren't really perhaps as demanding. But when it comes to trusting God in our giving, it just seems like that's a really tough thing to do. It's really hard and difficult to trust God when, you know, your bank account is really low and, and you know that God's word teaches we, we ought to trust in him and, and give all to him. And it's kind of like, that's where the rubber meets the road and it gets a little bit difficult. But that's where it's most important in our life to understand this thing of trust. So look at Luke chapter 16, and we're just going to read the first few verses this morning as we study this passage. Luke chapter 16, and look in verse number 1. It says, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, or a manager, if you will. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. This manager had mishandled, in other words, the owner's money. Verse 2, And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Verse 3, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, and to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do then. He says that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he to another, And how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. The children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Jesus shares this parable with his disciples, and there's so many truths in here on this of trusting, 
of answering the question, can God trust me? Because this parable is all about that. It's about an owner, a business owner that has a manager that wasn't a very good manager. And what that manager did after he was fired. And we're going to learn how it is that we can trust, how it is that we can answer that question, God, God, you can trust me. How is it that we can be a right kind of manager with what God has given to us? But before we study that passage, let's ask God this morning, if he would, to bless this time and to uh, fill us with his spirit so that we might understand these eternal truths. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. I pray this morning that as we take time to study your word now as we worship you through the through the reading and understanding of your word. I pray that, Father, this morning you would enlighten us and illuminate us by your spirit. Fill me this morning that I might communicate uh, with clarity, with power, the truth of this message, of this uh, passage this morning. Fill me, I pray, and Help each and every one of us to have a heart that is ready to receive from you this morning your truth. Help us to not just understand it, but to apply it and live it out. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Luke 16, we have this parable that Jesus is sharing with his disciples, and it comes right on the heels of another parable. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus also shares a parable, and he shares a parable of one that's really well known to, to many people if you grew up in church, uh, the parable of the prodigal son, about this young man that wants uh, his inheritance right away, and he's kind of a, of a rebel of a son, and uh, he says, Dad, I want you to give me all my inheritance. I, I, I want to uh, live now. I want to use it now, and his dad gives it to him, and he goes into a far country, and he wastes all of his inheritance, and and at the end, he finally repents, comes back, and he finds redemption and reconciliation, forgiveness from his father, and, uh, and his brother's kind of envious at the end of what his father does for him. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a wonderful story that teaches so many lessons about how we view people, and it really teaches a lesson about wrong attitudes towards people. And Jesus was teaching his disciples that uh, we ought to have a right kind of attitude when people mess up. We ought to have a right kind of attitude towards people in what they're doing with their life and not really giving up, but looking to forgive and looking to reconcile. And, and, uh, and it has a greater message on how God reconciles us and redeems us and never gives up on us. And that's what Luke 15 is all about there with that parable. But Luke 16 is also a parable that's kind of connected to it. And the way it's connected is, He's also still talking about wrong attitudes. And this time Jesus is talking to his disciples about wrong attitudes towards their possessions, their wealth. Luke 15 is wrong attitudes towards people. Luke 16 is wrong attitudes towards the possessions that you and I have, the wrong attitudes that we have sometimes towards wealth. And so the whole point of this parable is to teach his disciples on how to have that right attitude. Now, let me just say that getting the right attitude is all a matter of trust. Whether it's in Luke chapter 15 or Luke chapter 16, you'll find that both of them, if you're going to find the right answer and how you're going to have the right attitude, whether it's towards people or whether it's towards your possessions, it's all going to depend on your trust. 
So let's look at this this morning really quick. As we look at the parable that Jesus gave, we want to look about this area of trust. How is it that we can answer that question, can God trust me? There's at least four important lessons that we're going to learn this morning from this passage. Now let me just say, I said we're going to talk about money this morning because it's something that really reveals much of our trust in God. But before you feel like, man, uh, all, you, all you're going to do is talk about money today, isn't, isn't that a, a little bit of a stereotype of what some people have towards church? Some people view church like oh, all they ever want is, is money. All they ever talk about is money. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, I don't know if I, if I put this in your notes, but if I didn't, just listen to this about uh, some statistics about the Bible and money. You know that Jesus talked about money in 16 out of 38 of his parables. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels talks about money. The Bible devotes 500 verses to prayer, less than 500 verses to faith, but listen to this, over 2,000 verses have to do with money. You say, why, why that disparity? Well, very simply, Jesus stated, for where your treasure is, where your money is, there will your heart be also. Uh, money seems to be something that really reveals how much we trust God, and it also answers much of the question, can God trust me? Now, he gives this parable, and it's interesting that he gives it to his disciples. He's not giving this parable to the Pharisees. He's not giving this parable to scribes. He's giving it to his disciples, and, and he's trying to teach them something about the Christian life. Now, I want you to notice in this parable, first of all, the accountability of the foolish steward. The accountability of the fool, foolish steward. The first thing that Jesus says, he says, I, I'm going to tell you this parable, and this parable is about uh, a, a, a certain rich man, and he had this manager. This, this business owner is doing really well. He's got all this money, so he decides to hire a manager to help him run his business. And he says, he finds out that this manager was really wasting his money. He wasn't being a very good manager. So he calls in the manager and he says, listen, they've been telling me that you've not been managing very well, so I want you to give an account of what you've been doing with my money, and I want you to know because you've been wasting it as much as you've been wasting it, I want you out of this office by the end of the day. Out of your office by the end of the day. You're fired, in other words, when this day's over. Because you haven't really been a good manager with what I've given you to do. So Jesus tells him that story, and the manager begins to think about what just happened. He's a little bit shocked. I'm sure he wasn't really expecting uh, the boss to find out what he was doing. But somehow word got to the boss of how he was managing, and now he's going. In verse number three, uh, Jesus says, listen, uh, he, now he's thinking, what am I going to do? I, I, I'm not really a skilled laborer. I, I really can't go into something else. This is what I do. And I'm too you know, embarrassed and ashamed to go out and beg uh, for, for money. There wasn't really any welfare system at that point that he could go and apply for. So now he's thinking, what am I going to do? Right from the get-go in this story, Jesus is talking about accountability. He says there's an accountability that this manager has to this boss because that boss put him there. Now, here's the greater picture that Jesus wants them to learn. Just like that manager was accountable to his boss, we are accountable to God. 
The greater truth that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples was, it's not just about business relations. I want to tell you about a relationship that is important for you and I to understand. Yes, God is our Father. God is the one that saved us. But you know, God is the boss. And we are his manager. Everything we have has come from God. And so, the first principle that he teaches his disciples is this. He is the owner and I am the manager. It's important for you and I to understand that we have to give an account one day. The Bible says we will all stand before God one day. We'll all stand and give an account to Him. And you say, well, why are we going to give an account to God? Simple. Because God created you and me. Because God is the owner of this universe. God is the owner of our life. He gave us life. Everything we have is from God. God says, and his word in the book of James, every good and perfect gift cometh from above. He told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy. He says, did you know people were telling, uh, were telling this to Moses? They were saying, yeah, but, but Moses, I, I'm the one that goes, gets up every morning, and I go to work, and I earn my paycheck. I, I'm a good worker. And Moses says, well, here's what God said. God said, who gave you the health to get up every morning and go to work? Who gave you the mind that allows you to understand how money works and to fix things and to do things? Who, who gave you all of that? How, how much did you buy your arms for and your fingers? How much did you buy your eyes for and your ears and your legs? How much did you pay for that? Nothing. It was a gift from our Creator. God gave us that. So here's the first principle. Why are we going to give an account to Him? Because He is the owner and we're the manager. Listen, this is a, such an important concept to remember, and here's why. Many times we, we get this idea in, in our life because, as Christians, because we know the Word of God, what it says, and one of the principles that the Word of God teaches is that we are to give to God. In the Old Testament, they gave what is called the tithe, 10%. And so sometimes this concept comes into our mind. Well, for everything that we earn that God gives us financially, 10% is his. But you know what? That's not exactly true. Because sometimes people take it to this point. They say 10% is God's. Well, then whose is the other 90%? Oh, the other 90% is mine. You know why it becomes difficult to trust God? Because we begin to look at our money and what God has given us as 10% is God's, 90% is mine. And here's the truth you, need, you and I need to realize. It's not that 10% is God's, it's 100% is God's. He's the owner, I'm the manager. 100% goes to God, or at least belongs to God. 100% is His. He gave you everything you have. So because of that, he's gonna give, you're going to give an account of 100% of what God gave you. So how you use whatever you use, you're going to give an account for. You say, why? I gave my 10% to, to God and the church. Okay, well, what you use the other 90% is also going to be something you're going to give an account for. You say, why? Because he is the owner and we're just the managers. I love what Psalm chapter 100 verse 3 says. It says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, the psalmist is saying it's all about him, not all about me. 
we're going to give an account because he is the owner and I am the manager. But here's another principle that we must understand from this story. The owner has expectations of the manager. The owner has expectations of the manager. When the owner, when this business owner hired this manager, there were some expectations there of what that manager was to do. He was to rightly uh, steward or rightly manage the money and the, uh, and the business that was given to him. Everything that the owner gave to this manager, he was supposed to manage in the right way. There were some expectations for him to be done in his job. Can I say this this morning? Not only has God given us everything that we have, and not only is 100% of what we have God's, but he also has some expectations for what he's given us. And by the way, that's not hard to understand. Anyone that's been given something to do, any responsibility, knows that there's expectations with that responsibility. Anybody that has a job here this morning, when you go to work tomorrow, you already know there's expectations of what you're to do. You can't just show up and sit at your desk and be like, I'm not going to do anything today. As soon as that boss comes into your office, he, he can ask you, what, what do you have on your calendar to do today? What do, you, what do you need to get done? There's some expectations there. There's a reason I'm paying you to be here at work this morning. Here's my expectations. And so it's not difficult to understand expectations are something that comes with the responsibility given to you and to me. Well, the owner here in this parable, he had expectations of this manager. He, uh, he expected the manager to, to be wise in what he was doing and handling this business. In fact, it's so important to understand this because once again, here's the greater truth that Jesus was teaching. He was saying, listen, disciples, hear me on this. Number one, God owns everything that you're going to have. Number two, there's expectations for what he's given you. You know, there's expectations that God has in our lives. Now, there's a lot of them. We're not going to go through all of them, but I want to give you a few. They're in your notes this morning. You know that, number one, God has an expectation of ourselves. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number one, the verse says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know that the expectation that God has for you and, to, and for me is that we dedicate ourselves to him? That's what he says. Paul said, I, I'm begging you that you offer yourself a sacrifice. Dedicate your life, your whole being to him. Number two, another expectation that God has of us is, his, is our possessions. Luke chapter 14, 30, uh, verse number 33. Luke 14.33, you find that Jesus was telling those that were following him, unless you're willing to give up all, you're not worthy to follow me. In other words, here's the expectation. You need to give everything to God. Everything. So, Pastor, what do you mean by everything? Very simply, everything. Your relationships, your cars, your money, your home, your clothing, Everything needs to be given to God. If you're not willing to do that, you're not worthy to follow him. That's what Jesus said in Luke 14, 33. This is an expectation. God says, I expect you to dedicate yourself to me. I expect you to give all for me. A third area of expectation is our time. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. He talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, time is short. 
God gives you a certain amount of time. He expects you to, to do something with that time that he's given you and given me. The expectation is make your time count for God. God didn't give you and me life so that we can just enjoy ourselves and not worry about anything else. God has an expectation. It is, hey, you use your time for me. Here's another expectation God has, and that is our gifts. 1 Peter 4, verse number 10. You'll find there that Peter is talking to different Christians, and he says, listen, God expects us to serve one another. That's an expectation that God has for you and for me. So I've given you life, and I've given you what you have so that you might serve one another. Let me give you a fifth one, and that is the gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. Paul there shares with the Christians in Thessalonica one expectation that God has is for us to share that good news. To share with others the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. To share with others the gospel message. So we find there are areas in our life that we're going to be accountable for. Because God is the owner of everything. And because He's the owner, He has expectations of us. We're just stewards. We're just managers this morning. I love what Job said. When he was going through all of his trials, Job said this. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm going to leave it. In essence, I didn't have anything. It was all given to me. And when I leave, I'm giving it all up. I'm not taking it with me anywhere. So important for you and I to understand when it comes to this thing of accountability, can God trust you? Let me ask you something. If you had to give an account this morning to God, if he came by your house and said, I want, I want you to give me an account of what you're doing with what I've given you, would you be able to answer at the end of that, Yes, God, you can trust me. Look at the car that you gave me. You know what I use it for. You know where I go with it. You can trust me. Being accountable to God is so important for you and I to understand. Then I want you to notice in this parable not only the accountability of this foolish steward, but then Jesus shares with them the assessment of the foolish steward. <laughs> Seeing what was going on, seeing that he was going to be fired by the end of the day, now he's starting to think, what am I going to do? Now he's starting to think, i got to change, and i got to change fast. You know, there are times in a person's life when we change. There are certain reasons why people change, and one of the reasons that people change is they get to a point in their life where they hurt enough to change. They hurt enough to change. That's where the manager's at. He's losing his job. He hasn't really been using what was given to him wisely. He wasn't really doing what he ought to do. He wasn't really being a good manager, and now he's starting to see and evaluate. He's starting to assess the condition that he's in, and he's coming to this conclusion, I need to change. I need to do some things differently. You might be here this morning, and you might be thinking about Hey, if I had to give an accountability, I don't, I don't know what I could say. I don't know that I could truly answer that God can trust me. You know, there might be some things I need to change today. There might be some, uh, some viewpoints that you need to change in your life and say, you know what, I haven't been really trusting God the way I ought to. 
let me just assess what I have and, and think about this. All that God has given me, has it really been entrusted to, to God? Has it really been used for God? Think about it. Maybe you just got a new job. Let me ask you something. Has that paycheck been given to God? Maybe you got a new vehicle. Has that vehicle been given to God? Has that relationship, young person, been given to God? You see, it's so important for you and I to understand. We need to stop and assess sometimes. How good of a manager am I anyway? This manager saw, he's getting fired. What am I going to do? Look at thirdly, the action. He, he thinks about it. He assesses his situation. And he thinks, here's what I got to do. I got to do something. I got to change. So he changes. Knowing that he's going to get out of a job, be out of the job by the end of the day, he begins to put into action this plan. And here's his plan. He says, you know what? I'm going to go to all the debtors of my boss, and I'm going to start cutting deals quick. I'm going to start cutting deals. Whatever you owe, I'm going to cut it in half. And listen, I don't know why he did this. It might have been because he was robbing them in the first place, so now he's thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it off. I'm not going to rob them so much. Maybe he was saying, you know what? I'm going to take off the interest. I'll just, hey, you can just pay, pay what's on the principal. Pay what you owe him. You don't have to owe him any on the interest. You just pay what you owe him and don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Maybe he was doing that. I have no idea. This manager, though, he realized one thing. He said, at the end of the day, I'm going to be on the street. And who's going to take me in? The people that I've been robbing this whole time, the people that I've been wasting their investment, you think they're going to let me in? You think my boss is going to take me in? I don't think so. So he gets this plan and says, I'm going to start cutting deals with these people so that at the end, if I do get fired at the end of the day, which I'm going to, I'll have somewhere to go. I can remind this person, hey, hey, um, remember you owed him 100 bucks? Listen, I cut it down for you. I helped you out. Would you help me out now? Hey, man, you, you, you were in, 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 in debt pretty high with my boss, but I, I helped you get out of that. Can you help me now? Is there something maybe I can do for you? Man, this guy was pretty smart. He gets his action right in the plan. And it's funny that at the end of the story, Jesus said, that boss commended that manager. He said, man, manager, that, that was pretty smart of you. Now, he wasn't commending his bad work. He wasn't saying, oh, it's good that you rip people off and now you're trying to make it. He wasn't just commending him for how bad he had lived, but he was commending him for certain things. The first one being, man, you, you, you're looking out for yourself. And that's what Jesus concludes, he says, you know, in this world, people are real good at looking out for themselves, are they not? They're really good. Sometimes people are a whole lot more uh, conscious of their planning their life, he says, so much more, sometimes even more than Christians, than children of light. They're children of light. That phrase means Christians. And Jesus said, you know, there are times when non-Christians are more dedicated and more focused in their life than even Christians. There are times when non-Christians are a lot more trusting in other things than Christians are in God. So that's the story he tells them. So what are the lessons to be learned? What are the lessons that Jesus was trying to teach his disciples? Let me give them to you quickly. Number one, he says... Learn this, to use your opportunities wisely. 
He says in verse number 9, And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon. And mammon means money. So you could say it this way, make to yourselves friends of the money of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, ye may re- they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He says, be wise in the opportunities that you have. God has given you that money. What are you investing that money in? Be wise with it. You can use the money God has given you in something temporal, something that ends when you die and leave this earth, or you can invest your money in something eternal. I like the phrase somebody said. He says, you can't take everything you have with you, but you can send it all on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You know what Christian life is all about? Investing in the better life. Man, I'm so glad that this world is not all that there is. Let me tell you something. It's not all that there is. In fact, this, this is the worst we'll ever have it as a Christian. Just this world. In fact, Paul would say it this way. He said these temporary, these, these just passing times, difficult times, they're just, they're, they're, they're temporary. He said there's something that's coming that's a whole lot more everlasting. Let me tell you something. What are you doing to invest in that, that which really matters? What are, you, what are you doing to invest in heaven today? Use your opportunity wisely. Don't be wasteful. One of the things that the owner commended about the manager was this. You saw your problem and you took immediate action. You tried to change right away. You saw that you were going to get fired. You said, I can't keep doing this way. And suddenly, he changed. You know, you and I ought to be conscious as well about the problems in our lives, the problems of wasted living, of wasteful spending, of wasteful investments. Now, it's interesting. Even though that owner was firing that manager, he still gave him a chance. He gave him a chance. He said, okay, till the end of the day. He gave him a chance to settle some of these debts, to, to do something, to, to do better with what he has and what he had done before. You know, you and I serve a God that gives you second chances and me second chances. You know, the good news this morning is if you haven't been investing the way you should be investing, you still have a chance. You're still on this earth. God has not taken you yet. You still have an opportunity to, to invest today. That's something that the owner commended this uh, bad manager. He says, man, you know what? You can, you can invest today. Let me ask you a question. Are there any opportunities that you can take advantage of today, March 17th, 2019? Are there going to be opportunities you're going to let slip by tomorrow? I hope not. But opportunities are given every day. Listen, you don't have to continue living a life that's meaningless. You don't have to continue living a life that has no investments in eternity. Listen, you can do it today. You can say, I need to change. Just like that manager. And I need to change my view on this. I needed to change my trust in God. You know, I've been, I've been thinking that this is my money, but really it's God's money. 
I've been thinking this is my house, but it's really God's house. I've been thinking that everything I have is mine, but it really is God's. And I've got to use that opportunity now and invest in something so much better. Then I want you to notice a second lesson. Not only that we need to use our opportunities wisely, but secondly, this lesson, that trust must be earned. Trust must be earned. Look in verse number 10. He said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. The owner cannot give a manager more when he has wasted all that he originally had. Have you found that to be true? If you're a parent here, you know what it, what it means when, it, when, you, when you're, you're a teenager. And I tell the teenagers all the time. Uh, and they can tell you this, when we're, when we're talking about different things in, in youth, whether it's like dating or, or any other things, going out and, and having fun, I say, if you can just be responsible, then your parents will give you more and more freedom. You see, because the more that you're responsible, the more that your parents can trust you. So if your parents, I tell them, tell you, get back by 9 o'clock, if you can get back by 9 o'clock, it won't always be 9 o'clock that you have to come back to. You'll find that with time, it might go to 10 o'clock and then to 10.30. And you say, why would that happen that way? Because now the parent has trust in you. But any time that you break that trust, let me tell you something. The next time, it'll be 8.30 and then 8 o'clock. And then, you know what? You're not going to go out tonight because you start losing trust. Trust is earned. Jesus was teaching them, listen, this manager, he, if he's going to want more, he's going to have to earn his trust back. He says, if you're going to be faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in the big things. But that's how trust works. You start small and it gets bigger and bigger. I like what Samuel Johnson said. I think I put this in your notes. He said, the person who waits to do a great deal of good at once will never do anything. Here's an application of that saying. Let me tell you something. If you're not going to give God when you have $5 in your pocket, you're not going to give to him when you have 500 in your pocket. If you can't give God right now when your paycheck is $300 a week, you're not going to give God when it's $3,000 a week. Jesus said, I can tell you right now, when it comes to trust and trusting God with all that he's given you, that if you're not going to be faithful in the small, you won't be faithful in the big. And sometimes we're so unfaithful in the small, we don't want to give. We don't want to tithe. We don't want to give to the missions program. We don't want to give to the construction. And we say, I just don't have a lot of money, Pastor. Now, I can't give a whole lot like somebody else. But, but as soon as I get more, as soon as I get a raise in my job, then I'll start giving. And you know why that raise never comes? Because here's what God is thinking. How can I trust you? I already gave you a job of $300, and you can't give to me with that. Why would I give you $3,000? It's like the parent that says, you can't even come back at 9 o'clock. Why am I going to say 10? There's no trust there. You see, trust is something that is earned. This manager lost all the trust that his boss was giving him. Because of his wasted living, because he wasn't willing to give in that small. Listen, don't wait till you have plenty to give. Just give now. Don't say, I'm going to invest in eternity tomorrow. No, invest today. 
I heard a story about these three turtles that were going out uh, for, for a picnic. And uh, one of the turtles, uh, he was carrying uh, the food. Uh, There's a second turtle who was carrying, of course, the, the turtle aid. That's what they drink. It's like lemonade, but it's called turtle aid. And uh, there was the, uh, the first one tar- carrying food. The second one was carrying the turtle aid. And the third one was carrying nothing. So they're getting to the uh, picnic area. And as soon as they get there, it starts to sprinkle. And they look off in the clouds and they see that the storm is coming. And the one with the food turns to the other turtle and he says, did you bring the tent? He said, no, I didn't bring the tent. Ah, man, we got to go back and get the tent. One of us got to go. And so I brought the food, uh, and I don't want to leave it, and I don't want to leave the turtle laid, the second one said, here. So, hey, you that brought uh, brought nothing, we need you to go back and get the tent. And the one that brought nothing said, no, 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 I'm not falling for that. As soon as I leave, you're going to eat the food and drink the turtle laid without me. And they said, we're not going to do that. We'll wait for you. And no matter how long it takes, no matter how long it takes, no matter how long it takes, we're going to wait for you. Fine. So he turns around and starts going back. Well, an hour goes by, nothing. Two hours, four hours, a day, a week, two weeks. Finally, after three weeks, the turtle with the turtle laid turns to the turtle with the food and says, listen, this guy's not coming back. I think maybe we should just go ahead and eat and, and drink what we're going to to do because he's just not going to come back. And just as he said that, a voice from the bushes came out and said, if you do that, I'm not going to go. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's how it is in our Christian life. We're just waiting and seeing, well, is God really going to do this for me? I'm not going to go and do that. I, how do I know that God's going to keep his word? Let me remind you about something. God is trustworthy. God's never left you nor forsaken you. God has been so good to you and given you and been so generous to you and to me. You can trust him. But can he trust you? See, trust is something that's earned. I'm going to give you the third lesson, and that is that trust can be measured. You see, the owner was measuring the trust of his manager in a very simple way, with a very simple formula. He's saying, I'm going to give you a little bit and see how, what you do with it. It's a very simple formula of measuring the trust. He's saying, what are you going to do right now with what I've given you? Not what are you planning to do, but what are you doing now? Kind of reminds me of a, of a preacher that I heard of. He was going to preach in a, in a really farming community, and uh, he gets to this farmer, and, and he's talking. This farmer was a faithful member of his church, and, and, uh, and he said, listen, I need to ask you something. He said, if, uh, if you had 100 cows and God asked you for 50 cows, would you give him 50 cows? And the farmer said, preacher, you know I would give God 50 cows. If I had 100 cows and God asked for 50, I'd give him 50. The preacher said, oh, that's good to hear. He said, uh, but, but what if God wanted 100 horses? I, 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 and you had 200 horses, and, and he's asking for 100 horses. Would you give God 100 horses? He said, preacher, let me tell you something. If I had 200 horses and God wanted 100 of them, I would give him 100. And the preacher said, oh, that's good to hear. And he said, and, and what if you had two hogs and God asked for one of those? He said, oh, preacher, wait, 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 that's not fair. You know I have two hogs. 
You know, sometimes that's how it is in our giving with God and our trust with him. God wants to know, what are you going to give with what I've given you? And you're going, oh, wait a second. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Don't, don't make these big plans. If I have 100, I'll give him 50. Listen, you've got to give him now what you got. That's how God is going to measure what he wants to give you. Then I'll give you the last one, and, and it's a simple lesson, and it's this, to be wholly devoted to God. There in verse number 12 and 13, he says, If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the last thing that, God, that Jesus taught his disciples. Hey, listen, you've got to be all in. Be devoted all the way. You can't have two masters. It can't be partly in and partly out. You can't say some of this money is God's and the other is mine. No, it is all God's or none of it is his. Kind of like the chicken and the pig that we're talking that one morning. They love their owner big time. The chicken is talking to this pig and he says, listen, you know, our owner has been so good to us. Man, he's given us so much. He feeds us every day. We have our little houses. He lets us roam around there in the yard whenever we want and puts us back in. You know, pig, we have it really good. The pig said, man, you're right. This owner's been awesome. The chicken said, man, I, I think, you know what, uh, to celebrate his birthday tomorrow because he's been so good to us, we ought to make him breakfast. I'll do the eggs, you do the bacon. Real easy for the chicken to do that. A little different for the pig. That's what it means to be wholly devoted. To say, hey, God, if you want it all, it's all yours. It's all yours. Four really important lessons out of this story that answer the question, can God trust you? How are you using your opportunities? Are you earning God's trust? If you had to measure how much your trust is this morning, how big would it be? And how devoted are you to God anyway? Man, if we can just learn to trust God this morning, man, how it would change everything. You see, because trust changes everything. I wonder, can God trust you and me this morning? Can he trust you? Man, I hope that by the end of this week, by the end of this day, by the end of this service, we can say, God, you can trust me. If there's some things i got to change, God, I'm changing them. Today, you can trust me. I pray that each and every one of us would be found trustworthy by God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your care. Thank you for your word. This morning, as we, as we ponder these truths, man, they're, they're truths that really hit home, really. Oh, Father, how easy it is, I feel in my life, to become trusting in myself and not in you. I pray this morning that you would help each and every one of us to be found trustworthy by you. Help us to answer the question in the affirmative. When God, and if God were to ask, can I trust you, that you could say, 
God, you can trust me. God, I want to be able to say, trust me with whatever you have. Trust me to go wherever you want me to go. Trust me to give whatever you want me to give. Oh, Father, may we be found trustworthy this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.